0: Fired Up show starts right now.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Fired Up podcast right here from your friends at WJMS Media. This is Steve. We're going to get into what's been going on in the political world here in the U.S. over the past week. Uh, We will uh, jump right into that. But first, as always, we're going to review where we are with the COVID pandemic. Uh, As of this week, we have 102.3 million cases. That have been reported we have uh, 1.11 million people who have died from the disease and 665 million people have been vaccinated so we continue to fight the good fight against covid and the other diseases uh, but we definitely have to keep up our efforts not slow down make sure that we're getting our vaccinations and our booster shots and that we are following the protocols that have been handed down to us from the scientific and medical community. So in other words, if you're going to be in a crowded situation, wear your mask, uh, maintain your social distance if possible, and basically do what you can to keep yourself, your family, and your community healthy. All right, we're going to get into uh, what's transpired over the week. Uh, There is some political news out there. But the top story that surfaced and uh, has taken over uh, the news and media discussions this past week was, of course, the uh, death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, In case you haven't been following the story, which since it's on everywhere is uh, something that is likely difficult. what transpired was uh, 29-year-old Tyree uh, Nichols was pulled over for a traffic violation uh, in Memphis. And as a result of his interaction and altercations with the police, uh, he ended up dying in a hospital three days later. Now, the, the details of this story uh, are, are somewhat gruesome. But what you and what we have seen uh, do primarily to the very quick release of uh, body camera and uh, what are called spot cameras, those cameras mounted on poles that monitor traffic and other incidents. Um, We got a a detailed look at exactly what transpired as this young black man was brutally um, beaten by uh, at least five uh, police officers from the Memphis Police Force, uh, who are part of a special detail uh, in the in the MPD uh, called the Scorpion Unit, uh, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about what that is or or was actually. Um, we saw in the video how uh, this young man was initially uh, dragged out of his car um and you know was assaulted by the police and again this was for a traffic stop this was not a violent crime there was no weapon involved on the in the in the person of uh, mr. Nickel. Uh he was pulled over for I believe it was reckless driving and and, and some other traffic infractions uh, when he became in, in, engaged with the police officers in uh, He uh, panicked apparently and you know began to run away from them uh, toward his uh, parents' house, which wasn't that far away. The police um, tracked him down, tackled him, and as we watched in the video, these five officers uh, proceeded to beat him um, very badly, mercilessly. Uh, including uh, punching, uh, spraying him with pepper spray. One officer is clearly shown in the video as uh, kicking Mr. Nichols while he was on the ground uh, in the head. Uh, Another officer was shown also kicking Mr. Nichols. And yet another officer uh, came into the scene and uh, opened up uh, his baton or, or asp, that collapsible baton that police officers carry and proceeding to beat him further while again he was on the ground um, uh, was not resisting in, in any way other than defensively trying to protect himself from the assault that was occurring and you know they the video, uh, one version of which I saw uh, was actually more than 30 minutes long uh, showed the officers finally getting him uh, in custody and handcuffed and leaning him up against a car where you can see him, you know, visibly uh, in pain and, and struggling. At one point, he slumps over on his side and no officers uh, went to assist him. Um, the video, as I said, is uh, very intense and if, if possible, you know, you you should take a look at it and and definitely search for the longer versions because they give a fuller picture of exactly what happened. But, you know, the the ultimate is that uh, this young man was um, assaulted, dragged from his car, beaten very badly, um, you know, viciously beaten by five law enforcement officers. Now, there's you know talk going on because the five officers of this unit were all also black uh but you know in 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 my opinion uh it it doesn't matter that you know they were black and that the the victim mr nichols was black this could have very easily been you know officers of of any other uh, ethnic group uh it it's not the point that they were black officers Even though some political figures will probably try and make the argument of, you know, some causal uh, cause and effect of these black officers, they're out of control, whatever. uh, What's really important here is it shows a complete breakdown of police discipline, uh, disregarding uh, police training and, you know, basically uh, in consideration For the value of a human life so as I said the the video that I watched uh, ran about 32 minutes uh, and it was toward the end it took more than 25 minutes for the EMTs to arrive on the scene assess mr. Nichols put him on a stretcher and take him to the hospital so subsequent to that uh, three days later uh, mr. Nichols succumbed to his injuries and died in the hospital And, uh, of course, we now have the situation where there is an an enraged community in Memphis. There were nearly uh, immediate protests once the the videos were released this past Friday. And, um, fortunately, um, the protests that occurred were peaceful. There was uh, no reported uh, destruction that uh, has has arisen or been shown in the news media, and you know it was clearly the community uh, protesting peacefully their their upset um, condition over the facts uh, that were shown on the videotape. So you know we have an yet another um, incident of. A uh, police force uh, abusing and killing uh, a, a civilian, uh, particularly a civilian of color, uh, and it being caught on camera. And you know, the, the end result or the result of that is you know, a, a very visceral reaction by the community. Notably, in this case, uh, unlike prior incidents, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, these protests were, uh, for the most part, nonviolent, at least in Memphis. There were some reports from other cities where protests were occurring, where uh, protesters did, in fact, clash with police and and there were scuffles. But the level of of violence and destruction that we've seen in prior instances uh, has not uh, materialized, um, as yet. And, you know, it, it brought back to mind and, and, uh, checking into it, uh, came the realization, uh, that it's been 32 years since, uh, the, I guess, uh, seminal video event depicting the assault on a person of color by police officers, uh, uh, occurred And, of course, that would be the uh, Rodney King incident in California. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been 32 years since that event. But in the interim, we've had a, um, a fairly consistent string of recorded incidents involving um, interactions, uh, violent interactions between police officers and civilians. Now, I'm not saying that those are the only ones that have happened. And in fact, according to statistics, there are uh, likely uh, about 1,100 people each year that are killed in altercations with police. Uh, And if you take into account those that are injured, uh, according to uh, data reported by Vice News, um, that the number of injuries. Uh, or, or, you know, both fatal and non-fatal shootings from the country's 50 largest police departments found that for every person shot between 2010 and 2016, officers shot at two more people who survived. Um, so the actual number of uh, gun-related uh, in- injuries uh, and deaths is actually. Probably on the order of at least 3000 a year. Now, you know, clearly, you know, some of these there there are circumstances where the individuals themselves escalated the situation uh, there. They may have had a weapon and have fired at police and so forth. There are there are probably many different explanations as to why uh, police uh, use deadly force in these cases. However, uh, the number of times that uh, the police have used deadly force for something that was not a, uh, a life-threatening crime and you know, for example, traffic stops or, you know, uh, interactions uh, with police on the street during the course of other uh, business being transpired and so forth, uh, still is way too high and way too many. Uh, in in the 32 years since the Rodney King uh, incident, we've seen you know just uh, tragic uh, in- interactions between civilians and police. You know, of course, you know there's there's uh, the Abner Diallo incident uh, where the individual was shot you know 40 something times uh, in the hallway of his apartment uh, while he was reaching for his wallet, which had his ID in it. Um, you know, there was the, the gentleman who was uh, choked and killed on the street in New York uh, because he was selling you know, single cigarettes. Uh, there, there's just been so many cases. Uh, I, I fear that we are becoming somewhat numb to them, uh, which is a shame because we should be uh, outraged and upset over every case Where uh, police have used uh, force uh, up to and including lethal force uh, and deadly force against the civilian population, particularly in cases like this, where, you know, at least uh, until more facts come out, it looks like, and according to what the videos show us, that uh, Mr. Nichols uh, quite simply panicked and uh, ran to uh, the nearest place of safety, which was his parents' house, uh, a couple of blocks away, you know the, the idea that when faced with a a you know critical situation, our human instinct uh, falls into you know basic categories: we fight, we flee, uh, or we uh, freeze. Uh, in this case, Mr. Nichols chose to flee. Uh, and he was tased. And, you know, when the cops finally caught up with him a little bit more than a block and a half away from his parents' house, uh, that's when the beating occurred. So we still don't have any uh, concrete information on why these five police officers uh, decided to to beat uh, Mr. Nichols uh, for uh, his crime. He, according to. What we see on the videos, he was not fighting with the officers. He was struggling to free himself, but he was in no way uh, offensively fighting these officers, at least as we can see in the videos so far. Um, Second, uh, we don't know, uh, know what other information may have led to the officers responding at the level they responded to. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of information that needs to come out. The, the bottom line or the end result to this is we have to realize that here in this country, um, we have a violence problem. Uh, we have a, a violence between, you know, person and person, we have a family violence problem, and we have a violence between, you know, individuals and law enforcement that we need to find a, a way to address. We need to find solutions both politically uh, as well as socially uh, and, and you know, find a way to uh, lower the temperature, to mitigate these instances of violent inter- interactions and altercations uh, between individuals and between individuals and in law enforcement. Uh, otherwise, we are just going to keep continuing uh, this this cycle of you know uh, beatings and shootings and death and needless and senseless people getting uh, injured and, and or dying and in just about every case uh, in the aftermath of these tragedies uh, we see a call for some type of you know gun control uh, police uh, intervention and in, and in, you know retraining or additional training. Um, And and in each of these cases, some little progress has been made forward, but apparently not enough to have a major impact or anywhere near the cessation of the number of individuals uh, in in encounters with police end up uh, dying. You know, we witnessed, as I said, uh, the video of Rodney King being uh, beaten by officers in California. Uh, we talked about Amadou Diallo in New York. Uh, There's also also many, many more. You, know, you, can, you can rattle off names just about all day long. Oscar Grant in Oakland, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, just a, a nearly continuous litany of victims. And then we come to George Floyd's murder in 2020 at the hands of police officers, which also was uh, filmed in its entirety uh, by, you know, uh, bystanders there, uh, which led to the officer uh, who uh, committed the, the crime uh, ending up being uh, sent to jail. And in this case, uh, to, the, to the credit of the chief of police in Memphis and the Memphis Police Department, the five officers who committed this crime were in very quick order, um, fired and were charged, uh, with, uh, murder and, and other crimes and will be facing trial on that. Um, and and, uh, I guess one silver lining might be is that, you know, the, the discipline, uh, uh, put out or put on these officers, um, came very swiftly uh, in the case of the officer that kneeled on the neck of George Floyd uh, Officer Chauvin uh, it took several months before he was removed from the police department and charged and then ultimately convicted and then he is now uh, in, in jail um, you know the, the reactions that we're, we're seeing come out uh, of course, range you know across the spectrum. Uh, a couple of things, um, you know, one of the things uh, that was said: uh, the senior pastor of Mississippi Boulevard uh, Christian Church in Memphis said, you know, asked the question: We need public safety, right? We need law enforcement to combat pervasive crime. Uh, but he continued, uh, we don't want the people who are sworn to protect and serve us, brutalizing us for a simple traffic stop or any offense. So where does the politics and politicians fall into this? Um, a- after all, this is a, a political uh, show and, and not uh, a, a social studies or civics show. Um, so what, what is our political response going to be? Well, if, if the past is any indication, um, there will be, you know, uh, outrage shown, there will be speeches made, there will be calls for reforming policing and, and so forth. Um, those on one side will, will call for uh, efforts to be made to increase police training and, you know, uh, uh, address the inequalities uh, that lead to uh, the crime in our in our uh, society. There will be others who will, you know, make calls for uh, that that phrase of you know quote defunding the police close quote uh, as a way of removing the mechanism by which these deaths occur. Uh, and you know the the truth is uh, likely that it. Is, it resides somewhere in the middle as, as with just about everything that there needs to be a combination of measures taken that is going to reinforce to the, the officers in the street that, um, they are there, uh, to protect and to serve. Uh, they are there to, to help and assist. They are not there to hunt down and, you know, and kill people for nonviolent, uh, 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 offensive actions uh, or actions that violate you know laws. Um, you know, there's been talk, uh, recently, even before this, this shooting occurred, of addressing the notion of you know police officers responding to traffic stops or how you know police uh, respond to uh, domestic violence calls where there there's no weapons uh, involved and. You know, it, it is it is obvious that, you know, you can't predict the outcome of any situation, a situation that you might enter that starts out as nonviolent can escalate into violence. Uh, but there is this uh, tendency that we need to find a way to remove from the system for um, our our law enforcement officers to go uh, into violent mode so quickly and so forcefully. Now you know they are, you know, supposedly and allegedly trained uh, in you know nonviolent de-escalation of events. Uh, the the upshot of you know this event is, as with the, all others is perhaps we need to rethink how that de-escalation training uh, is accomplished. Perhaps we need to think on the strategies that we use when there is a traffic stop um you know one of the things that is coming out in this case is you know in in addition to the five officers who are actually physically assaulting mr nichols there were at least according to what i've seen in the videos at least five or six others uh including some ent's who were on scene earlier uh, who did not step in to provide aid for many minutes um, that, you know, also contributed to the ultimate demise of Mr. Nichols. So there is a lot that this episode, like the others before it, um, is, is trying to teach us. The key is, you know, are we paying attention? Are we learning the lesson? Uh, up until now, the answer to that would be it doesn't seem that way. The change that can impact and provide significant reductions in these acts of violence, um, you know, have been uh, pulled forward before. And, you know, some have been implemented and there's been some incremental changes made. Um, in fact, you know, the, the biggest uh, change that has come out from the rash of police violence uh, are the uh, uh, wearing of body cams by police officers and the increased uh, installation of dash cams and, and other video surveillance uh, tools by the police force. So, you know, change has been coming. Un- unfortunately, uh, while we wait for you know, the, the substantial and significant change that we think uh, we need in order to, you know, seriously curtail the number of people who are uh, assaulted, who are injured, and who are uh, ultimately killed by police officers uh, until we get, you know, to a point where we make, you know, substantial dents in that, you know, 1,000, 1,100 people a year who, uh, die at the hands of police, or the 3,000 people per year who are injured, uh, you know, or 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 shot and survived uh, in, in involvement with the police. Until we can cut that number way down, uh, there's still work that we have to do. Now, you know, how we respond to you know these types of situations, I think we can take a page from the memphis police department Uh, number one uh, they have been very transparent in terms of putting the uh, body cam videos out in the public Um, the actions taken by the chief of police who by the way is a black female Uh, we should not lose that that component of it Um, it has has been you know very uh, quick, and you know the the results uh, are moving at least in the direction that you know the community would like to see that there is justice applied to these officers uh, for what they did. Now, what remains to be seen is uh, is it just going to be these five? Are they going to in fact bring charges against those officers that were there but did not render aid? to Mr. Nichols while he was uh subdued sitting on the the ground propped up against a vehicle um and you know nobody uh kind nobody goes to help him in fact they kind of stand around him as you watch in the later stages of the video and they kind of talk about it you know they you know the we don't hear all the voices and i imagine that when the, the balance of the body cam videos come out and we do get the audio components um, that too is going to create some controversy in terms of what was said and what they said. So there are lessons that we have to learn. There are still uh, elements that we need to address. There's still work to be done. But in, in the interim the Main thing is, as I said, we take a page for how Memphis has responded, and we need to have that, that transparency. Uh, in the case of George Floyd, it took months for the body cam video to come out. It took months for the officer who was kneeling on his neck and the others who were involved in that uh, to uh, get, get their, their court delivered justice uh, or, or court delivered, you know, um, accounting. And we've got to make sure that that we are having the dialogues, uh, w- communities with our police departments uh, that, that draw the line on what we will not accept as behavior that police can do. So, you know, uh, again, you know, it's it's all part and parcel even though this, this isn't a political event, part of the solution to this is clearly going to involve uh, the politics of participation, and we are going to have to in, engage even further with our local and state and federal law enforcement and uh, elected leadership and let them know that you know, these situations have to change, that we, we don't want to see another person beaten uh, you know, to death, literally, uh, or shot and killed uh, for a nonviolent, non threatening crime. So, you know, this is something that, you know, we will, here on this show, we will keep our eye out and our ear out to listen to how the discussions shake out in this case. And we will bring those to you in our, our program as we do with all of the events uh, in upcoming episodes. So, you know, with that, let's take our first break. Uh, When we come back on the other side of the message, we will uh, continue with uh, political news from last week. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. We'll be right back after the message.
0: We're often influenced by what we see and hear online. Researchers say Black communities have been specifically targeted online by bad actors that post false information about cultural issues, attempting to increase divisions in Black communities, influence how we vote, and influence public opinions. Here's how to stop the spread of cultural disinformation. Get information from reliable sources like experts, researchers, or organizations. Make sure you're not misled by information or quotes shared out of context. Check the account. Was it recently created or has zero followers? It may be a troll bot. If a story seems suspicious, don't share it with your followers. Together, we can stay informed and empowered. This public service announcement is from the National Black Cultural Information Trust. Learn more at NBCIT.org.
1: And we're back. Thank you for staying with the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. And uh, we're going to jump into our political stories next, uh, starting off with uh, revisiting something I brought up in last episode. Uh, And, you know, side note, it's hard to believe that we are not yet a complete month into the 118th uh congress uh under republican control and you know we are seeing exactly what uh is is being laid out in front of us and and what the next two years are going to look like um the one of the stories i brought to you last week uh was the republicans were um you know engaged with dealing with the debt limit uh the debt ceiling And, you know, uh, they were optimistic or they were actually they were less than optimistic, to be truthful, that uh, they would not be able to work out a solution without having some mechanism of forcing the Biden administration uh, to do some things that they considered necessary, but Democrats consider, uh, you know, deal breakers and you know a follow-up article came out from politico uh just the other day and you know it it cites that mccarthy is optimistic about agreement with biden on debt ceiling uh and what it's talking about is how you know kevin mccarthy has expressed optimism about his upcoming meeting with president joe biden to discuss the nation's debt ceiling despite the biden administration's previous stance that they would not negotiate with Republicans on the issue. Uh, McCarthy still believes that President Biden will be willing to make an agreement. Uh, the, you know, he cites the need to raise the debt ceiling as an opportunity to force government spending cuts and reduce the nation's runaway spending. Uh, he suggested that cuts to defense spending are still being considered, But unlike what had been put out in the media uh, a week ago, cuts to Social Security and Medicare, uh, according to McCarthy, should be taken off the table. You know, as you you know, the U.S. hit its statutory limit on debt uh, uh, literally uh, two weeks ago, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has predicted that extraordinary measures, which can be used to prevent default, uh, will, will hold until June. Uh, McCarthy stressed that defaulting on the, nation, on the nation's debt is not an option and that the responsible thing to do is to sit down like two adults and find a solution, uh, which I, I find kind of humorous coming from the Republican Speaker of the House. So this upcoming meeting between McCarthy and Biden is scheduled for Wednesday of this week. uh, And, you know, McCarthy is taking the opportunity. uh, He is working to force the government spending cuts. Uh, The U.S. needs to both lift the nation's debt ceiling and take control of this runaway spending, as he told uh, Margaret Brennan on uh, TV this past weekend. Uh, The Biden administration is arguing that Congress has a responsibility To pass a debt limit increase without conditions attached, noting that Congress did exactly that three times during President uh, Trump's tenure Uh, and, you know, has done it many times in the past uh, before that. So when he was asked about the White House concerns that some Republicans are seeking cuts to Social Security and Medicare, uh, McCarthy said, let's take those off the table. Cuts to the defense spending, he said, are still in play. He wants to look at every dollar, no matter where it's being spent, he said. Uh, when asked specifically about defense, I want to eliminate waste wherever it is. Uh, and and uh, we've talked about the defense spend spending on this on this show on prior occasions, and uh, particularly spending money for systems we don't need. Um, McCarthy insisted... The U.S. wouldn't default on its debt. Uh, He is on the record of saying that that is not going to happen. Uh, But he's saying let's take a pause. We have hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, This default won't come to fruition until sometime in June. So the responsible thing to do is to sit down like two adults. Now, this from the Congress that uh, among its first uh, actions uh, as the 118th Congress uh, is looking at establishing committees to investigate uh, the laptop uh, belonging to Hunter Biden uh, to investigate the so-called weaponization of the FBI in in specific and the federal government in broader terms and, and other kind of, you know, now it's our turn to uh, to inflict pain upon the Democrats, uh, like they inflicted upon us. You know, McCarthy has has reinstated uh, some uh, Congress people who were removed uh, from uh, their committee chairs by the prior uh, House under uh, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and has removed some Democrats from key committees that uh, is widely seen as you know, a, a weakening of those committees uh, by removing people who are eminently qualified uh, and experienced in uh, these key committees and replacing them with people um, who McCarthy owed the favor of their vote to get him the speakership. Uh, as you recall, in the uh, run-up to getting the Speaker elected, um, McCarthy had to make some, some deals, some promises, some commitments to some 20 uh, Congress people who were opposed to him becoming Speaker and were holding up his appointment or his election uh, to, the, to the top spot, uh, to the tune of taking 15 votes. Uh, to do something that for 100 years had been done really on one kind of perfunctory vote in the House uh, each time the new term began. So, you know, we, we the, the U.S. has already hit its statutory limit on debt, um, but has said that, you know, according to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, that uh, defaulting on the actual payment uh, of of the debts uh, is not something that will happen until sometime in June uh, if Congress doesn't act to raise the debt limit. So, you know, the the games are already being played. Um, there is a, a vindictive streak being applied by the Republicans to the Democrats uh, as you know, retaliation for what. The Democrats did while they had the, the House. Uh, and again, you know, when I started this program, you know, three years ago, uh, one of the things I said was that it was all about calling out when, you know, games were being played and what those games were and what they mean to the American people. Well, in this case, you know, the games that are being played are this, this uh, tit-for-tat, retaliation by Republicans, which is, you know, consuming time and resources away from their getting, you know, the, the real core business of the people done. Um, you know, they are going, they're forming a committee to investigate Hunter Biden. Uh, they're forming committees to, you know, look at the weaponization of the FBI and of the federal government in, in broader sense. Uh, They are looking into forming a commission to investigate what happened and and how the COVID uh, pandemic uh, started and ultimately, you know, was brought to this country. Now, I mean, the the these things are, you know, important. Uh, I think Hunter Biden's laptop is less important. Uh, I, I really think the American people could, you know care less about what's on you know Hunter Biden's laptop and and so forth but you know the the idea that there's going to be ultimately you know millions of dollars spent on this committee and on the research and and all of that and you know many millions of dollars on the weaponization committee that's that's being formed that could be better spent you know, addressing some of the core uh, problems of their constituencies. You know, we we still have you know inflation to deal with. We still have uh, you know some some uh, issues with moving our economy to a a cleaner energy, a greener economy that we need to take. We can't keep pushing that can down the road. So there is a lot of you know, and and I'm putting these in air quotes, legitimate work to be done by this Congress. And, you know, the fact that they are going to waste their their time, their energy and our money on, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop and, you know, trying to figure out why uh, the FBI is considered a weapon and, you know, there there's just, in my opinion, there's little, if any, point to the value of that other than, you know, raking the Democratic Party across the coals uh, for vindictive purposes. So, you know, clearly uh, we need to make sure that you know, we are communicating uh, our you know, displeasure uh, or we are communicating with them to let them know that, you know, there are other more important fish to fry than Hunter Biden. Uh, so, you know, make sure you're reaching out to your uh, to your congressperson. Uh, also, you know, it, it again, as we always say, you've got to look also at your state and local governments. You know, are they focused in on the key issues that are most important to you or are they just off, you know, doing these partisan political games uh, that really serve no other purpose then, you know, to allow them to pat each other on the back and saying, yeah, look at how we, you know, you know for, for the Republican side, look at how we own the libs on that one. You know, and it, it, I, I'm tired of these games and you should be, too. Uh, we should be raising holy hell with our elected officials about why are you doing this rather than doing that. So, you know, let's let's engage let's you know get on the phone send the emails uh visit the websites you know if they've got you know a twitter feed or a TikTok feed or facebook page whatever let's get on there and have a dialogue about you need to focus on why you're there not you know who you can um, who you can pick on who you can stab in the back or whatever so you know, let's let's make sure that we are getting you know that message, and then in addition to you know those stories um, that I just mentioned, um, in the last episode we also talked about a proposal that the Republicans have made to you know eliminate the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, you know they they talked about you know taking away the funding for eighty seven thousand. Um, IRS employees uh, calling them agents which is you know not exactly truthful but the the idea is still circulating around and you know it has been uh, creating some firestorm and pushback uh, to the Republicans on it Um, the proposal you know that was backed by Speaker McCarthy um, as I said, have landed them in, in something of a difficult situation, and what we're seeing is, as the public sentiment on this uh, tax proposal has come to light, uh, many uh, people, including Republicans, are uh, actually distancing themselves from the idea. Uh, even President Biden uh, said, uh, in quote, you got to be kidding me. What in God's name is this all about? Well, what it is is he's the proposal he's criticizing uh, would be that the Republicans would eliminate the Internal Revenue Service uh, and uh, pretty much all of the taxes that the IRS now uh, uh, collects, including the income tax that we all pay, uh, you know, and you know, uh, other taxes, the capital gains tax, the inheritance tax, the death tax in all of these and replace it with a 30 percent national sales tax on things like groceries, gasoline, clothing, supplies, and medicine. Uh, The legislation has been around for decades and we've talked about this on this show, but it uh, gained new attention uh, because uh, Kevin McCarthy brought the subject up. Uh, Republicans on the House Ways and Means Committee, however, are treating the legislation like it's radioactive, with some members declining to comment on it. Uh, For example, uh, Representative David Schweikert uh, is quoted as saying, uh, quote, there's never going to be a vote for it. Uh, Despite the opposition, the newly appointed chairman of the committee, Representative Jason Smith, has committed to holding a committee hearing on the legislation. Uh, supporters are arguing that the national sales tax would create a fairer, more transparent tax system. However, critics, including the Wall Street Journal editorial board and Americans for tax reform, say the legislation will not survive. So, you know, what, it, what exactly are they talking about? Uh, basically, uh, as, I, as I said in the last uh, podcast, uh, if you go to other countries uh, in the world... They don't have an income tax. They have either a uh, general services tax or GST or a value-added tax that is applied to products that are uh, bought and sold. And what that does is generate revenue for the government by taxing the consumption of items by the public. And you know, it it is something that. You know, it has you know, as I said, created a firestorm. Um, you know, and Democrats have depicted the proposal as part of an extreme Republican agenda. Sen- Senate, ma- yeah, Senate Majority Leader, excuse me, Chuck Schumer, and House Minority Lead- Leader Hakeem Jeffries have criticized the proposal, saying it would harm the economy. Uh, the chief sponsor of the legislation, Representative Buddy Carter, disputes the criticism saying the national sales tax would be the only progressive tax reform bill uh... pending in congress uh, each household under the plan would receive a monthly pre based on federal poverty levels allowing them to purchase necessary goods tax-free uh... and or basically reimbursing them for the taxes they paid uh... the the idea you know is not a new one and, and, you know, there have been proposals for things like a flat tax uh, and other mechanisms for uh, making the current uh, tax system we have uh, fairer, in, in their words, across the board. The difficulty is that if you have a national sales tax, uh, it is going to impact uh, poor and working class individuals to a much larger extent. Uh, vis-a-vis the percentage of their income that they would pay into that tax. For example, if you're buying a house at today's typical prices, uh, 30% tax could add anywhere from $10,000 to $15,000 to the price of of your house. If you're buying a car, it's going to add several thousand dollars uh, to the price of that car. You know, everything down to, you know, a a pack of gum or a bag of potato chips is going to see a 30 percent tax increase on it. Uh, Gasoline, which, you know, already is is high, would get an an additional federal tax uh, under this proposal as well. Now, as I said, that will impact, you know, poor and working class individuals to a greater extent uh than it would uh you know wealthy individuals as you know a percentage of their their income uh and you know while you know there is some value to you know as as i discussed uh basically level taxing everyone at you know a a same percentage uh this tax on the other hand uh, is going to in, impact uh, those at the lower end of the earning spectrum to a greater extent than it would at the higher, um, you know, both from the standpoint of, as I said, percentage of income and the fact that you know, people making you know, millions of dollars or billions of dollars um, you know, simply can afford uh, to pay that tax. If you recall, if if you were following the um, nomination and voting process uh, for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House in the 118th Congress, uh, you recall that uh, he had to make uh, a a bunch of concessions to the 20 some odd uh, GOP holdouts uh, who initially blocked him to become Speaker and you know, one of the things that he offered to them was this elimination of the IRS and replacing it with an alternate tax uh, structure. Uh, and, and this 30 uh, percent sales tax is the end result of that. Uh, additionally, you know, the investigating committees that I just talked about, a, you know, a minute ago on, you know, Hunter Biden and weaponizing the federal government and so on and so forth. We're all part of this package, uh, and not all of which has yet come to light. Uh, we still don't have a definitive list of you know what promises and commitments McCarthy made in order to secure the votes he needed to become Speaker. Uh, among the others that you know have been reported is you know the appointment of uh, election deniers and you know um, MAGA. Supporting uh, Trump loyal uh, Republicans to key committees. And, you know, there there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, various members being put on committees that don't seem to make a whole lot of sense, given their their public positions on things. And, you know, uh, I could reference, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is now on the Homeland Security Committee when, you know, she has been vocally uh, opposed to many of the the, the tenants of that committee um, so you know the the games are afoot uh, they're being played and you know it, it is unclear if there is any uh, real way to rein in all of these things that you know could be happening but with regard to this uh, tax position Um, You know the the discussion of the unpopular tax. uh, It it is putting the GOP in a political bind, uh, and it seems doomed to uh, repeat itself for the House's slim majority. Uh, It's clear also to keep in mind that a lot of these more radical um, proposals coming out of the House in terms of legislation. Stand uh, pretty much zero chance of going beyond the House, as the Senate is, you know, in control uh, of the Democrats um, by a a small but solid majority. It's a 51-49 Senate, uh, and they have the ability to to block any of those uh, pieces of legislation that will come out of the House. Add to that the fact that President Biden has committed to vetoing any such uh, crazy legislation that uh, does manage to survive the the House and the Senate. Uh, Biden has proposed to veto it, and the Republicans do not have enough votes to overcome uh, a veto. So it, it raises the question, and it's something to think about, is you know that the legislation uh, is opposed by the Democrats, you know that it is unpopular among the people, and you know that the president ultimately is going to veto it, why are you wasting time, energy, money, and resources uh, moving this forward uh, to, to you know an, an almost guaranteed conclusion of failure? Well, the answer to that question is... So that as we get closer and closer to the 2024 general election, the Republicans and, and mark my words, put a pin in this, uh, will be able to say we proposed all of these items and the Democrats shot them down. The Democrats, you know, quote, are, are not the friends of the people, close quote, um, and are purely in it for their own partisan reasons, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, this is what we face. This is what we face for the next two years. And, you know, it, it is clear that we need to you know, pay close attention, uh, make, our, make our opinions known to our elected officials, both Democrat and Republican, and let them know that, you know, they basically, you know, are, are looking at wasting two years of political and necessary accomplishments for the United States in order to pursue these 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 pipe dreams that were promised by the candidate for Speaker of the House in order to get elected in other words for purely political reasons uh, this is you know something that we need to as I say take account of we need to be engaged with we need to be educated about we need to make sure that you know we are holding our elected officials' feet to the fire, and you know Democrats, you don't get a pass on this either. Uh, granted, your party uh, is you know uh, apparently uh, working to stay on the right side of these arguments, but we need to make sure that we're encouraging them and holding their feet to the fire uh, to have them not sleep on some of these issues that the Republicans are proposing. Uh, that are going to be detrimental to the, the well-being of the working population and the general electorate, you know, as is the case with this 30% tax. Uh, it might sound appealing to eliminate the IRS. You know, everybody knows we, we all hate to have to file our taxes each year. But at the end of the day, uh, it's clear that this 30% sales tax uh, mostly is going to represent an, a, a deeper reach by the government into our pockets, uh, except not in the, the, the frame of the taxes that they're taking out, but in the frame of you know, everyday purchases that we have to make that are about to get more expensive. You know, something that costs now $100 under this new proposal would cost $130 um, gasoline is going to see an imp- increase in prices because of this tax, and you know the Republicans' concept of basically giving us an allowance, what they call a prebate, uh, really, in in my opinion, is you know a a nonsensical solution uh, that it is not going to to resolve the problem. According to the information they're putting out about this so-called um, pre-reimbursement of, of this new tax, uh, it would be based on where your income level stands with relation to the poverty line, which is currently, I believe, at, at $13,000 and change. Uh, so the, the further above that line that you are, the lesser amount of uh, uh, prebate that you would receive, which means that, you know, any sales tax is going to have a bigger impact on your personal bottom line. You know, if you're if you're making one hundred thousand dollars a year uh, and and again, I'm, I'm speculating here, I have not seen any numbers. Uh, this has not been scored by the Congressional Budget Office or CBO or anything like that that I have seen so far. Um, but given the fact that it is being tied to uh, your position, your financial position relative to the poverty line, uh, it stands to reason that the further above that line you are, the lower amount of prebate that you are going to get. And that means that the increase in taxes is going to be felt by your uh, budget even more. So, you know, as, as we say on this show, as we, we always say, you know, not only is the devil in the details, but that we, the the electorate, we the voters, we need to make sure that we are informed, educated, and active in making our feelings known uh, in as loud a term as possible to our elected officials. What that means is we have a homework assignment. We need to do our research. We need to do our diligence. We need to dig wider and dig deeper. Uh, we need to expand our sources of information and not just rely on uh you know social media or uh news sources from one side of the political spectrum or the other whether you are conservative or liberal you need to listen to both sides of the argument because as we always say on this show the truth lies somewhere in the middle that's going to do it for this episode i thank you all for uh tuning in for downloading and for listening to our podcast Uh, Please know that you can find uh, archives of our shows uh, on the um, on-demand platforms. Uh, You can uh, get there by going to the WJMSradio.com website uh, or search for Fired Up uh, in your search engine of choice. And you will see the links to our show there. As always, please make sure that you take care of yourselves, Stay safe. Uh, keep protected from the pandemic and, you know, keep informed. And I look forward to bringing you more information and more insights in seven days.